Hey there and welcome back to Fire and Soul, the space to deepen your inner awakening and activate your highest expression so that we can birth a new earth. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, and I'm really happy that you're taking the time to tune in today. It's not every day that we get to drop all the way in with someone like Guru Singh. This is a super sacred conversation and so worthy of your time. And before I give you some of the key takeaways that uh, really snagged my soul, I also want to give a shout out of gratitude for some of the reviews that have been coming in lately. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's one in particular that really touched my heart that I want to read to you. This is from Alex Persglove, five stars. She says, Michelle is a beautiful soul. You can feel her genuine care and appreciation for her listeners. She offers messages and deep dive interviews with fascinating guests to support unlocking our divinity and our highest expansion. I walk away with powerful new insights from listening to this podcast. I highly recommend tuning in. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate that reflection and aho, because that really is the embodiment of the intention of fire and soul. And so there's nothing like receiving those kinds of comments and especially public reviews for anyone who has gleaned any sort of value. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, if you haven't left a review that yet, but you have ever gleaned any meaning or insight, uh, please do us that honor and my guest, you know, that appreciation as well by leaving a review right now. It really is the single most powerful way that you can help support the show and help us grow the show and get it into the hands and ears of those who need the show. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Also, Speaking of connection, uh, which is in the deepest way for me, I want to let you know that Soul Circle is about to open up its fall round, but we're doing things slightly differently in this particular cohort of Soul Circle that doesn't begin until September 18th, but you can get a head start and lock it in now by um, enrolling. And I'll give you that link in a moment, but we're actually going to extend by a couple of weeks. So it's normally 12 weeks, three months, but I got a lot of feedback in the last round and nobody really wanted it to end. And so looking at, you know, the fall schedule and wanting to wrap right before, you know, holiday break, I was like, okay, let's meet in the middle three and a half months, 14 weeks, meeting every single week with really beautiful sacred ceremonies. We do have some guest teachers coming in that are in alignment with really what Soul Circle is designed to do, which is not unlike what we are doing here, but we get to deep dive and it's live and we workshop and commune together, deepen our our own awakenings, right? What that means to each and every one of us and commune with heart-centered community and that sacred sisterhood of those who are walking the path and in this way together. It's rich, it's real, and it's happening on September 18th. I am going to offer up a free ceremony, kind of like an introductory slash open house. You get a little taste of me and some of the community members that are returning. That's going to be September 11th. But if you don't even need that and you're like, you know what, this is the gift that I'm going to give myself, then you can head on over to michelle-sorrow.com slash soul circle and secure your space. I will also let you know that we are only opening up the invitation for 18 new members because all the rest of the members are continuing and we don't want to have it so big that we lose the context. We lose the texture of the intimacy of being able to really connect, know one another, share with one another in our unique stories. And at a certain point, it just gets to the point, well, I said that twice, but 
if it loses that intimacy, it's no longer in alignment with, with what I really feel Soul Circle is all about. So 18 new members, that means one seat could be yours. I will say that two people, unbeknownst to me because I haven't even shared about it publicly, secured their seats over the last week. And so you know who you are. I'm so happy that you are in. But if you're feeling the call to finally join Soul Circle in its fifth round, then I'm going to invite you to head on over to, again, michelle-sorrow.com forward slash Soul Circle and secure your seat. Claim your space. All right, my love. So this conversation is a beautiful weaving of a co-creation of both of us coming into this conversation, really open, no agenda, but some of the highlights as I really sort of reflect back on what was shared. It is is really the themes are courage and transformation to be on this path of awakening, navigating the collective splits. And something that I've been sharing a lot here lately is the micro splits amongst humanity, but through the lens of compassion and detachment, the exponential curve of spirituality, intelligence, and consciousness stimulation and response and our addiction to it and how to let go of that pattern. Death and rebirth, aren't we in it all the time? How to honor that cycle that we may be experiencing on a micro level every single day and how to get into the rhythm of real liberation. And then we really touch on the origin seed and what is at the heart and at stake for humanity right now. And then really the beautiful tapestry and theme that was wanting to weave herself throughout this beautiful exchange was receiving from the Anahata heart, the unobstructed heart, and how critical that is in these, these times. And so without further ado, I cannot wait for you to dive deeply in this beautiful vibrational conversation of healing and timeless truth with Guru Singh. Oh yes, please enjoy my laps. <laughs> I'm laughing right now because Guru Singh and I were chatting before I hit record and he's like, have you hit record? You need to hit record right now. <laughs> and I was like, but we're just chatting. He's like, hit record. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because, you know, when you're just chatting, that's when the good stuff happens. It's very true. You know, before I pick up where I left off, when you gave me that great advice to hit record now, I want to give just a brief intro on you, and then we're just going to flow uh, where, we, where we left off. Uh, I'm sure many of my listeners are very familiar with your, your mastery and your work and service. But for those of you who are new or would like a refresher, Guru Singh is a master of the Kundalini arts, a celebrated spiritual teacher, a third generation Sikh yogi, an author, accomplished badass musician, host mm. of the Messages from the Universe podcast, father, grandfather, devoted husband, and an overall gift to humanity who has been teaching and studying kundalini yoga for the past 50 years and is the creator of 13 Moons Community and many other portals for epic transformation. And I'm just so grateful that you are here. So the official welcome. Yay. Welcome Yay. back. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
You know, you had asked, uh, how am I doing? And I was saying, you know, these past couple of years have been such a profound deconstruction slash awakening. And the more that I awaken, the more that I see is there to alchemize. But the distinction between where I am now and maybe even just six weeks ago when we had another Zoom, in addition to meeting in person, and we'll go there in a moment, um, it has been very liberating on a deep soul level. And what I mean by that is I have been willing to just face the deepest fear, right? Which is that, okay, death and inside of death is always rebirth. And I know that nothing can harm, hurt, or endanger my soul. And I really, really mean that. And so inside of that gives me this beautiful uh, liberation, really, to live, live with joy, live with gratitude and um, and so much love in my heart. And then the places that are in the corners, you know, of, oh, more compassion there, more forgiveness there, it just begins to reveal itself. And so this trajectory that I am on now feels simultaneously like what is happening? Who am I? Which is the big question that I ask here all the time that I keep redefining, redefining because it's just so expansive and vast and infinite in nature. And then, okay, but here's the real life lessons and gifts inside of all of that, which I am to look at, be with, and heal, alchemize, whatever term you would use to get me to that place of true flowering. So I just wanted, that's that's how I'm doing. And it feels really, really good to be here. And, and, and I have a lot of questions around how this ties into your work, but I'll just pause for anything that you might want to share that came through from that. As you were talking, I was revisiting all of those time-lapse videos that most everybody has seen where a seed Mm -hmm. becomes a sprout Mm -hmm. and then it breaks through the ground and it starts growing up its stem until its leaves start to unfold and then at the end it has this flower that blooms, right? Because that's, that's what we're doing. Uh, it's, you know, they say that our DNA and the DNA of a fruit fly have about 6% differentiation. Mm. And yet a fruit fly has a lifespan of hours. And we have a lifespan of decades. Mm. So imagine the slowed down time sequence of what you just described, where when we're sensitive to what we're actually going through and we're not just scrambling, Mm -hmm. you know, through our days, Mm -hmm. then we are doing exactly what you just described, where your seed is germinating and the safety of the shell is being dissolved Mm -hmm. and cracking. Mm -hmm. And that's scary as hell. And when we dissolve the seed of our purpose, and we really start living on purpose, and we start to grow into our cells and our self, you know, we're taking on a whole new image. We're taking Mm. on a whole new persona. Mm. And then if we do this partway through our life, all of the people around us start freaking out because <laughs> we're not the same as we were. Why, why are you, why are you changing so much? We're, you know, we're questioned. And what we end up with is we end up with 
a very much alone condition for a while mm-hmm. until we begin to gather the new tribe, mm-hmm. until we begin to gather the new community. Mm-hmm. And I'm not speaking to your experience so much as I'm probably more speaking to the experience of those who are in the audience. Yeah. Because every one of us, you know, for a long time there hasn't been anything like COVID. You know, the bubonic plague way back in the mid-centuries and and then the flu pandemic in the early 20th century. But this thing was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, to shut the world down and to make everybody reassess and to come close to what you were mentioning, you know, that, that thought of death, that thought mm-hmm. of mortality. Mm-hmm. And so everybody had all of these stimulants Mm-hmm. And these are the stimulants that force you into that break open the seed of purpose mm. and start living on purpose because you know, how many people changed jobs, changed professions, changed locations where they're living because everything up until that point was kind of happenstance, right? It just happened. They happen to be living here, or they happen to be working here, or they happen to be doing this. And then when the whole thing shut down, you didn't have to do what you happened to be doing. Mm-hmm. You could take a pause and make some really conscious choices. Mm, beautifully put. You know, I look back at even the year, right, that it really started to go mainstream globally, and it was 2020. And of course, the benefit of hindsight is always 2020. Hmm. So I'm sure that was well calculated in the grand plan. (laughs) Perfect. Right? And and I know that you very much stand with the majority of my audience in making certain decisions during that time. And it's why you're here. I just looking at people like you, what are you, 78 years young these days? Mm-hmm. I am. Right? Leading am. and blazing so many beautiful awakening trails everywhere around the world. And this was like the ultimate. And yet, then it's kind of like, now what? Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things that I was really excited to chat with you about that's been on my heart a lot lately is speaking to something that you and I chatted about on our Zoom a few weeks back when we weren't planning on podcasting, we just connected and you played me a song and that was incredible. But it was around the collective shift that happened right amongst family, friends, partnerships that was really, really painful for so many of us because of those decisions. But then now there've been all these other shifts that it's almost like there's splinters in that lens of perception and where I found such comfort from you and many of my guests is the purpose in everybody's state of consciousness and the evolutionary sort of like curve, if you will, of why some were supposed to see what some can see others were not. And you spoke about that. And I don't remember if you know what I'm talking about. I do. Okay, if you would expand on that, because I'm imagining my listeners also experience some grief while knowing it's all in divine order, but it's like, oh, I was really hoping that person who made that same choice would then be able to move forward. But all these continued micro splits, not to divide us more because we know better than that, but it is a place of feeling more alone and alone and alone. 
And maybe it's the algorithmic acts. I don't know. I'm sure that plays a part. But I want to go back to the real power of our souls, and that is the consciousness. Yes. Now, I'm going to take a couple of pieces before we dive into the big pool. (laughs) And the couple of pieces is that the feeling of alone, alone, alone is a stimulant. Mm -hmm. Every sensation is a stimulant or a depressant depending upon the angle at which you interface. When something can possibly be a depressant, the sensation of being alone, if you take it head on, then it's gonna, then it's gonna knock you down. And you have to think about sailing. If the wind is against you, what you do is you tack. And tacking is actually more thrilling than lofting. You know, Mm. when the wind is at your back and you're just, you've got that big uh, loft sail out there, you know, and you're just all laying around because there's nothing to do. It's just carrying you forward. But when you're tacking and you have to know the angles and you have to get the sail really tight and really fit and you've got to get everything working against each other so that you can move forward, that's the science of life. And the science of life in attacking sort of way, not attacking, but in a attacking sort of way, is what we have to do when we feel alone. So what is alone? Uh, alone is like boredom. People don't like boredom, but boredom is the middle path of the Buddha. Boredom is where there's nothing happening. And you can be calm mm-hmm. and you can absorb mm. and you can go deep into your being. Mm. That's what that is. And the same thing is true with alone. You can go deep into your being and you can suddenly realize when you go down in there that actually you're not alone because there's all these connective fibers that if you start to work with those those are the telepathic fibers. Those, mm. are not the, those are not the physical fibers. Well, they are physical, but they're so nanoscopic that they're invisible to us. But those, they're, they're not like the, the hug that you would get from being in a group, in a room with people in it. But you can get the same hug when you're alone and thinking of your loved ones. You can get that same sensation it can give you the same endorphins it can give you all of the same features Mm. it's like when people say because we went completely online from being completely in the air two weeks out of every month for 25 years my wife and i went completely online and we created kundalini university Mm. with the 200 and the 300 hour course 13 moons we had all of this, now we have all of this incredible opportunity online. People say, uh, don't you miss the in-person? And I say, no, mm-hmm. because I am in person. I'm with you in the same room right here, right now, because you and I can, can sense each other. As a matter of fact, going forward in the decades to come, this is going to be much more common than in person because our friendship and our community is going to be global yes. rather than just local. Mm. 
And so now to dive into the deep pool. Because that wasn't. (laughs) Right on. That was the waiting pool. Yeah. Not the waiting, but the waiting. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, The idea of a planet with humanity on it. And they're all over the universe and they're all over the megaverse and they're all over the omniverse. They're everywhere. And we have incarnated in a lot of them. Not just in this universe either. Mm. And so the reality is that a planet of life is a one-room schoolhouse. And there's not only the growth through a lifetime of being a child, an adolescent, a young adult, a middle-aged adult, an elder. Those are the stages that we go through in a physical body. Mm-hmm. But there's also the body of the soul. When did your soul particle break off from the oversoul? When did your atma break off from the paramatma? Was it a billion years ago? Was it a trillion years ago? Was it a quadrillion years ago? Was it longer ago than that? And what about the soul particles that have broken off just within the last thousand years? Now, the evolution of that consciousness which is attaching to that soul particle is an evolution just like infancy, childhood, adolescence, young adult, and so on. And so you have these people in these six-foot bodies, these five-ten bodies, these five-eight bodies that look like adults. But the soul isn't mature. Mm. The consciousness isn't mature. And so what might a child do if there's a sandbox and there's three children and one shovel? Okay, somebody has the shovel Mm -hmm. and the other two don't. Mm. So they either try to get the shovel on their own or they team up and gang up on the person that had the shovel. That's what kids do. Kids don't do that because they're bad. Kids do that because they're kids. (laughs) Because to learn compassion, you have to go through puberty. Because the compassionate gene, the compassion gene, you can do kindness, and you get return on kindness at three years old, five years old, But empathy and compassion doesn't get turned on in reality until you've passed through puberty. And so around 15 or 16 is when that can actually take shape. Mm. Before that, if you haven't been taught kindness, maybe you've only been taught meanness, which Mm. is very close to meanness, right? Mm. Because meanness is very mean. It's very, very, it's very, very rude and, and, and harsh. Mm. And so children, soul children, in adult bodies are going to act mean because they don't 
actually know better. Mm. It's not because they're bad people. You see what's going on in this world. You see this crazy war Mm. in Europe. Mm. And you see all of these insane battles around the world. Then you see this absurd attitude towards women Mm. in certain locations. Mm. And then you hear about you know, the trafficking that goes on Mm. around the world. Mm. These are events, evil events Mm -hmm. that are being created by the immature souls living in regular human bodies, appearing to be adults, but lacking the spiritual maturity, the conscious maturity that is required in order to not be in the me state, Mm. but to be in that community orientation. Mm. And Mm. this is, I mean, there's, it's, it's usually broken down into five or six categories where there's, you know, the infants, right? They're called the, the embryos and, and then the next stage is the fetals, right? Just like, like in a womb. And then there's the natal, which is the birthing channel. And and some of the fetals are called breech fetals, which are, you know, coming out feet first. They're mm-hmm. they're they're ripping up everything. And these are the ones that are these are the ones that are the most crude and rude and you ask yourself, don't they know? How can they be this way? What and the answer is no, they don't know. And you're you're witnessing how they can be this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, just open your eyes. Turn off the judgment and that'll take you out of the sympathetic nervous system and put you into the parasympathetic nervous system and then in the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the take a step back, see the big picture, find out the ways through, right? Which in the Tao called the way of the way. That's when all of a sudden, instead of being judgmental and finger pointing and discrediting and all of that wasted energy, Mm. you see the person that is doing evil and you see a solution Mm. right next to him or her. Mm. Because in a binary universe, which every physical universe is a binary system, the equal and opposites, Mm -hmm. because that's the tension, pressure, stress, and friction that creates matter in the first place, physics 101. Because of that binary system, the deepest evil has the greatest fortune and light Mm. right there. Mm. But when we're in our judgment and our finger pointing and our discrediting and all of that, which is very much sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, all we see is the evil. It's just glaring at us. And we don't dare let go of seeing that evil because we don't want it to get us. Mm. But when we step into that parasympathetic system by doing whatever you do, meditate, yoga, sound bath, 
you know, whatever it is that you, that you use to get into that gentle space, mm. all of a sudden you see the evil, you know it's evil, but you don't get freaked out by that. Mm. You just see, oh, God Almighty, look at what's happening right alongside of that. Mm. And you see that the person and their soul body and everything is absolutely consumed in the evil. Mm. But this little tiny toe or finger is still in the other side of the duality mm. of that binary system. And then so what you do is you start to emphasize that. Mm. I remember the story of a woman who was the uh, administrator in a school. And these school shootings are just absolutely horrendous. And she was the administrator and in through the front door walks a fully armed, you know, dressed in khaki or black, you know, guns and munitions and all that coming into the school. And she went into a state of shock. And in that state of shock, because shock is, you're, you literally, you go into the fifth and sixth and seventh dimension. Mm. And that's why you can die in shock because you're out, you've, you've literally exited your body. And so if you stay in shock for too long, your body goes cold. And that's why to counter shock, they always try to warm the body with blankets and everything, right? Mm -hmm. but it's a physiology. And she went into this state of shock and she walked up to this man in this state of shock and she started to speak to this person from that state of knowing mm. in that state of shock you know how the people say that when they get into an accident it's like everything slow goes into slow motion that's because they've gone into that state of shock and mm. the slow motion allows them to make whatever moves they need to make because it's not happening at a rapid speed it's happening at a speed that's slow enough for them to act and react so she walks up to this man and she goes, oh my God, my dear, dear brother, you must be in such agony. And the tone of her voice and the words that came out of her mouth triggered. Mm. And from the evil part of the duality, right? The evil and the luxurious light, right? Lux means light. Mm. She actually, and she didn't intend to do this. This was just pure angels operating, right? She literally started to draw him mm. slowly from the evil side of his binary system into the benevolent side of his binary system. And before like 10 or 15 minutes, they were talking back and forth. He was kind of spellbound by her presence. Mm. Mm. Because if she had gone into panic mode and, and, and gone into that, that would have stimulated his evil mode mm -hmm. because evil has a power hun hunger, right? <laughs> and at the end of this 10 or 15 minutes that they were communicating together, he just basically put all of his weapons down. He says, I'm going to sit here. You go call the police, please. <laughs> True story. And this is how we need, in real time, 
I mean, you know, don't jump out of a building and think you can fly just because you're all feeling floaty, you know. <laughs> you got to be able to do it in real time, mm-hmm. which takes a lot of practice, but you that's what we need to be doing. That's what and and okay, so you practice for part of your day, then you go out into the world and you get you get really grungy for part of your day. You go, uh, you know, and you go get tussled and hassled and flipped out and freaked out and you go through all the normal stuff. But you have to set aside part of your day to practice being that really, really, really high level, fifth, sixth, seventh dimensional being. Mm, Thank you for that. That's good deep dive right there. And so are some of those practices... uh, in practicality, like what you mentioned, meditation, yoga, mm-hmm. time in nature, yeah. a bath, sound healing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alchemize the nervous system. Go swim in the ocean. <laughs> you know? Go take a walk mm-hmm. in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Go be with small children. Mm-hmm. Be with animals be with dogs and cats and horses be with horses Mm. look a goat in the eyes (laughs) their eyes are horizontal Mm. you know most eyes are vertical right and human eyes are are round yeah but most animals eyes goats eyes are goats eyes are horizontal they're the most insane look you look at a goat's <laughs> eyes, it's going to take you right out of whatever you're going through. Amazing. Have you ever done goat yoga? Huh. No. <laughs> you know, you? that was a really big theme like 10 years ago. Everyone was doing goat yoga. I yeah. have not. I have not. Oh, yeah. Studios were even opening up to go and That's experience so a goat or two in the, in the studio. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, uh, but I've done hor- I've done equine yoga. I've done mm-hmm. I've worked with horses and and of course we've had many 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 cats and dogs and so yes. Mm. Being with the animals and and being with with small children, you know, in really innocent capacities. Mhm. As well as, you know, all of these other things, if, if, if you're in a severe state, um, you know, that you've got to go through a whole process that takes, you know, step by step, layer by layer, because you can't just jump into something and have it work right away. We're mm-hmm. also programmed to have, you know, rapid response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but if you're willing to put in the time, um, sometimes you'll need a jump start. And uh, I'm not being specific on that, but there is a... Um, we've worked with soldiers coming out of inhumane mm-hmm. circumstances. Mm-hmm. No one should be placed in a war setting. No, mm-hmm. hu- no life mm-hmm. should be placed in a setting of war. Mm. It's traumatizing to the utmost degree. Mm. And but working with working with traumatized people, whether they've been in a war zone or their home was a war zone growing mm-hmm. up, 
you know, there's a lot of remedies that we're discovering and that we're developing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're discovering the ancient traditions and from those ancient traditions we're developing the new applications. Mm. Anybody that says, you know, you can't change this or you can't change that in these sacred sciences, they're just holding on to the tradition, which is important also. We need people to hold on to the tradition. But then you have to go and disobey them. You know, you have to, mm-hmm, go, for you have sure. to go and innovate and and experiment and do things that are outside of the traditional values because traditions that were set up a thousand, two thousand, or even f- 200, 400, 500 years ago, they don't necessarily fully apply today because the world's changed dramatically. Well, also, I think that many, not most, and this is where I wanted to go with that collected shift and, and really speaking to consciousness, is that we've also become aware, especially the listeners of Fire and Soul, that not everything is as it appears. Hmm. So, right. And so some people say, I don't have, it's like research. It's like, don't call it research. It's just read, right? Just read. And it doesn't have to be a deep dive. You don't have to be a scholar. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that speaks to something else. So I was surprised and shocked. Naivete, I don't know. That in that experience of three years ago where some chose one thing and some chose another and that caused a big collective shift in the beginning um that then inside of that not being able to see things from that similar lens and i and i touched on this briefly so the powers that be the algorithmic you know agenda if you will is playing with all of that to reinforce ideologies like a groove on a record player to skip and to deepen and narrow into clinging on to an ideology for some sense of security, safety, or sense-making. But what you had shared a few weeks back was why that is happening and the potency of those who are awake and aware to the degree that they can see it all and be with it all and still live with joy and still hold everyone in the realm of oneness, which is an art, it's a science, it's a practice, it's an evolution. And I'm so grateful to finally be more in that lane than the other. But you were talking about the potency because there's a lot of fear for a lot of people of like, are enough uh, are enough people awake and can see through that stuff to make the shifts that humanity hopefully will make. Yeah, it's it's um it's all a play on intelligence. Mm. And intelligence is a play of stimulation and response. Mm. What happens when you have the sensation of dying? Hmm? You have a struggle to live. So everything that feels it's being replaced male superiority now has to share space well those that are holding on to male superiority which was only a physical thing you know because the feminine was giving birth you know over the hundreds of thousands millions of years the feminine was giving birth and she was out of commission for a great deal of the time Mm 
because she was giving birth, she was feeding, she was, you know, taking care, she was raising in any species, right? And the, the male was just marching around taking care of business, you know? So they came up with this idea that it was superior. Mm. And that's dying a hard death. Mm. Because we've come to a place in history where that's not the way it is anymore. Mm. That's why the whole idea of, of a woman's right to choose mm -hmm. is so incredibly in the face of those traditionalists who are holding on to the old ways in which the women shut up and do what you're told and give birth and raise them and don't make any nonsense and don't, you know, like it was, it was centuries, it was millennia. Mm. How are you going to change that overnight? Because not only is it in the attitude, it's in the DNA structure. Mm. So when, an, when a state of consciousness, when a state of being is dying, which it is and it has to, mm -hmm. it's going to struggle to live. And when I remember learning to be a lifeguard as a child, mm. and what you were told over and over and over again was don't let the drowning person get a hold of you. Mm -hmm. Because if they get a hold of you, they will drown you mm. in order to stand on you mm. in order to stay above the water. Mm. And they don't mean to kill you, mm -hmm. but they can. Mm. And that is the nature of the death struggle. Mm. And there are so many parts of life right now that are in the death struggle. Mm -hmm. LGBTQ, LGBTQ, right? And traditionalists, mm -hmm. death struggle. The, the traditionalists are in a death struggle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the insanity of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. White supremacy is just a, a genealogical event. Because pale skin came from a million, two million years ago, wandering too far north, wasn't enough sunlight, had to lose pigment in order to let the little bit of sunlight in, you know, areas around Europe and Russia and Mongolia, areas like this. There wasn't enough sunlight, so skin faded. Mm. Skin faded into what is now called white skin, but it's not even white. It's multicolored pink. <laughs> and and b because it was the weaker condition, mm -hmm. it fought to create the stronger condition. Mm. The food in the northern areas got wiped out by the ice ages. So mm -hmm. from omnivore and particularly plant-based beings like gorillas are, and every other primate, human beings began to eat what was able to survive by eating what was still living and growing. So we became carnivores mm -hmm. in the northern climes. Well, when an omnivore and a plant-based species becomes a carnivore, all kinds of shit takes place. Mm -hmm. All kinds of change takes place. Mm -hmm. Becomes aggressive 
becomes territorial because carnivores are territorial. Grazing animals are not. Hunt gatherers are not. Hunters are territorial. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we started to divide up land. We started to do all these things. This is what is all coming to a close right now mm-hmm. because we are to become one. Mm-hmm. We are to become sharing. We are to become community, which means common unity, common attitudes and unity of being, right? That's what community is. This is what we are being shaped into, shifted into. Those of us like you and me, like your audience, we know it's coming. We are so grateful that it's coming because we, have, we are from the future. And I describe the universe and the, and the megaverse and there's universes that are much older than this universe and so therefore if we were incarnated in those universes we were incarnated in a universe that this, the iPhone and the personal computer is an archaeological relic. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, telepathy p- replaces telephony mm-hmm. and the reality is that we know each other equally. We just can. We just go. Okay. Now let me think my thoughts. Mm. Let me let me stop thinking your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Let me start thinking my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the kind of reality that we have as humanity, and we're from the future, and we're trying to get back to that, to that capacity, and that's why we're doing so much reading and meditating and yoga and good food and rightful music and et cetera, et cetera. But all we have to understand is the majority of this planet is under our guidance, under our tutelage, Mm -hmm. and we have to stop judging and criticizing Mm. the children. Yeah. And start taking on the role that we were sent here to be, and that is a teacher, mm. an embracer, mm. a parental figure mm. that can allow all of these Lord of the Flies type creatures mm-hmm. 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 to mature naturally. Mm. Because all they're going to do if we criticize them. <coughs> They're just going to react and defend yeah. their position. Yeah. They, they, they actually live. It's a fuel. Our criticism is a fuel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, well, see it, we see it every day. Yeah, it's that, it's that quest for stimulus that we have now seen so many humans become accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And so the stimulus now is the rage, right? And mm-hmm. it's just like being overly stimulated is, is like, how can I get more and more and more? So it's, we're seeing so much extreme. By the way, that is because nobody is receiving. Mm. In order for the heart to receive the blood back Mm. from the body that it's pumped out into the body, it has to completely surrender. Mm. And when the heart completely surrenders, the blood floods back in. And then the heart tenses up and pumps the blood back into the body Mm. and then completely surrenders and the blood rushes back in. Mm. the heart center teaches you how to receive Mm. 
And what happens is that if you don't know how to receive, then all you're going to do is try to get, 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 get. But because you get so much, you don't have the sensation of receiving. Mm. You have to get more because you're on a frenzy. Mm. And that's what humanity is involved in right now. That's why we're building and everybody buys a new car every three years. Can you imagine what are we going to do when we run out of steel, when mm. we run out of iron? You know, I mean, we're probably only two, three hundred years away from that moment mm-hmm. in which we have just completely consumed every resource. I just got bleak. Every resource <laughs> that the entire world has. You know, and then what? And then the planet is just a trash heap. Mm. And that is because of this get, 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 get without mm. receiving. Mm. We've got to learn to surrender to mm. that which is coming to us. Mm. It's all coming to us mm. if we would just relax and allow it to. Mm-hmm. Beautifully put. And it reminds me of why I love heart opening postures in yoga so much. I just Mm. feel like it's such a state of remembrance for me. It's almost like why I go to yoga for any sort of a heart opener. And uh, I feel like it's my natural state of being. Um, So beautifully said, you know, there's a couple of things that were coming through and I want to make sure that I piggyback on one called origin seed. So if I forget, maybe you can remind me in a moment, but I'll write it down. But it's that you just said it's all coming, it's all coming. But I also imagine that it's here, it's now, it's happening in this present moment. And yes, there will be some some external shifts. Yes. Coming is the illusion Mm -hmm. of time. Mm Okay. You're absolutely correct. It's already here. Mm -hmm. But our illusion of time, because we don't think it's here, has to imitate it's coming. So it, mm-hmm. it imitates, it mimics the idea of arriving. Yes. Allow ourselves to arrive. And that's how we construct time. We construct time through our sensory system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything is already here. And that's what I'm excited about because the more work that I've done, especially when you just asked that simple, you know, ubiquitous question of how you doing? And it was like, well, let me tell you, because what I've evolved into, and again, not all the time and every day, but most days is that whatever this reality is that so many people keep talking about the grand ascension, the grand rising, all of that. It's like, it's already happening in my experience. And the more that I put my focus on the oneness, the unification, the harmony amongst humanity, the abundance that's everywhere presence, uh, and really embodying through action, words, thoughts, beliefs, and beingness of what I say I believe, (laughs) uh, and really showing up in vibration in that way. Um, I just keep thinking, man, if this were my last day on the planet, it's it's a really good day. Hmm. And I just thought, what if we all could awaken to that? What would that reality look like? And how would that grow exponentially? And it just feels really possible. And I find that the more and more of us that talk about this and really be it, we're finding each other. 
and we are growing in leaps and bounds. It feels like quantum leaps. And then I also find that some of my deepest dreams and desires just get magnetized to me inside of that frequency. And I know you know what I'm talking about. So I'd love for you to share your thoughts and what I just shared. What was the seed word phrase that you origin heard? seed, which is about humanity because yeah. humanity has been changed with this shot and you know it. Yeah. And so I want to go there. And if you can bridge those two, fine. Yeah. The nature of infinity mm. is that it's endless. It's infinite. And because it's endless, Nothing can be defined within it. Mm. Nothing can be measured because measuring is a defining factor. Mm. And so if infinity is everything, everywhere, always, then because we live in an infinite space, has to be because if it was a limited space, what's on the other side of the limitation? And then what's on the other side of that, and that, and that. So you open yourself up to the acknowledgement that we live in an infinite space, Mm. which means everything is everywhere always. Mm. It's holographic. Mm -hmm. And therefore, what is to be already is. Mm. And there's a prayer of the Buddha that my mother used to recite to me and my sister as we were growing up, every single morning we'd have to sit there and <laughs> oh, do we have to hear that again? <laughs> the places you are to go, you shall go. The people mm-hmm. you are to meet, you shall meet. Mm-hmm. The things you are to say will form on your lips as you speak. Mm. And that which you are to achieve is already done. Mm. And then we would get a pat on the back and (laughs) trudge off to school. And the idea that that which you are to achieve is already done, you just have to fulfill the faith steps, the steps of faith, Mm. as opposed to the steps of doubt. And any errors that you make in your steps of faith have quickly to be forgiven, which simply means to give forward from a moment that is quickly receding into the past, Mm. to give forward to the present so that you're not being drained into the past by all of these unforgiven Mm. sensations. Mm. So that you can be fully present to receive that which is. And then you guide the reception through your desires. To be desireless is what I consider to be the, the monarchy invading spirituality. Mm. Because we're a human, we're a living being. We cannot mm. be desireless. Mm. We desire breath. You stop breathing, you're going to desire breath really quickly. And so to be desireless was just the monarchy's way of controlling, you know, the great fortune, so to speak. But the reality of desire is it simply means desire, means to serve the self. Mm. 
And once you've served the self to your overflowing, then you get to share with everyone. Mm. But if you have nothing, you can't share. So you guide that which already is coming into being. You guide that with your desires. And you hold that desire through faith and doubt and doubt and faith and faith and doubt and doubt and faith. And you hold, you try to hold that desire through all of that very tumultuous landscape, right? Or mindscape. Mm-hmm. And you, and you come to the fact that you recognize that you are, in all of your ways, a seed of origin. Mm-hmm. The word religion means to realize origin. Realize, realize origin, realize origin, realize origin, religion, religion. It just got squished over time. And so that origin seed is just that essence that you and I and the others that are listening or watching here. We are just working with the simplest, simplest conditions. And we've made them very complex over thousands and tens of thousands of years. But this is the simplest of conditions. All you have to do is breathe <laughs> and stretch and exert and relax, mm. keep the physiology flowing and in mm. good shape, keep the emotions as tools, not weapons, mm -hmm. keep the mental processes reaching ever higher, like you said, read, read, <laughs> whether you're reading words or you're hearing words or you're seeing visions, whatever it is, it's the same reading. Mm -hmm. And then just loft into the existential, the spiritual, the subtle senses. Mm. And put it all together and all of a sudden mm. you realize, okay, that was good for a period of the day. Now I've got to go out and trudge in the dirt, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much disruption happening on this planet right now. Mm that we just can't go off and be in our mon monastic state. Although yeah. it's it's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. It's what we all want to do, but we're not going to have we're not going to do it. We're not going to be course. able to do it because there's no place on earth that is yeah. capable of of supporting that. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, I'm going to make a utopian community. We're going to get a farm, we're going to get a bunch of people, it's a commune is going to like this." I mean, I love that idea, and that idea is great for taking a vacation in. <laughs> but today's world is is global. Yeah. I mean, w we don't have pockets of, you know. I mean, I got I got raised, really raised, at the age of twenty and twenty one, in a undiscovered community that had no contact with the outside world. Ah. Uh in the Copper Canyons of Mexico. And mm. I wrote a memoir about that time called Buried Treasures. Yes. And, but those kinds of locations, they're so few and far between. Mm -hmm. And the ability for us to live in that monastic state 
or even in a in a in a householding state in a in an uncontacted region it's not you know everything's being seen now by the by the satellites and the airplanes and the helicopters and all that so the end result is is that we have to divide our day into a time to be mm-hmm. in worship mm-hmm. and a time to be in the exchange mode mm-hmm and if you give yourself the time each day to be in worship, then you have the strength to go into exchange mode and not get drained. Mm. Because that, that exchange mode is extremely draining. You know, if it's not traffic, it's interaction, it's, it's not, you know. I mean, the exchange mode in the modern world is just, just absolutely nuts. Yeah, especially when you live in like a big city like I do, and you are very familiar with, I think you still have a home here, right? The LA area? Yeah, we have a yeah, home yeah. In here in Seattle. And okay. yeah, Are you in LA now? I am in LA. Right very now. cool. So I'm in Calabasas. I think we chatted about that. And, um, you know, for me, I had always heard bits and bops about the quote matrix, and that's just, you know, a term to reference for us humans. But these days, it's just, it's so glaringly obvious, you know? So on the one hand, I'm so grateful for that. And I don't get bothered by it uh, as much. I'll still get snagged every once in a while when it's so clear, they're just trying to create a narrative and more division. But um, for the most part, it's just like, oh my gosh. And getting to acknowledge, this is what I really want to share with my listeners right now, like really acknowledge how far we've come, Mm -hmm. right? You've been on this path your whole life, third generation, you know, a Sikh yogi raised into it, your mentor, Paramahansa Yogananda's guru, you know, so for you, this is probably far more natural, but you're also human. But for many of us, we're just awakening in these past couple of years. And so it's learning to acknowledge how far we've come and to really then start to set up our days, our moments to exactly what you just shared. I loved it. Make sure that you are devoting time for worship so that you can face everything within and everything without. What you just mentioned brings to mind yeah, the person you're speaking of is my original guru in this lifetime, Sri Yukteswar mm-hmm. Giri, uh, who was Paramahansa's guru. And the that which you were describing, you know, that I'm third generation yogi and this is true because my my ancestry back two generations unfortunately were were part of the British you know empire which mm-hmm. invaded India but at least it it, it was like um, it was like what uh, the Dalai Lama said that the greatest thing to happen to Tibetan Buddhism was the invasion of the Chinese because uh, when you stick the wick in in the lamp oil the lamp oil climbs back up the wick, right? Mm-hmm. So the invasion and then Tibetan Buddhism climbed back up the invaders mm-hmm. and spread around the world, right? So it, Tibetan Buddhism would still be, you know, a monastic experience in Tibet where nobody goes had it not been for the, the Chinese invasion. And the same thing is true for India. India wouldn't, you know, yoga and meditation and all the things that came out of India would never have been spread around the world as prolifically if it wasn't for all of the invasions that India had to go through. And so, but my great aunt, um, third generation great aunt, uh, was living in Calcutta and 
because she was avoiding Europe and the, and the w First World War, where this was in the 19-teens, and met Sri Yukteswar Giri and actually was sent to America with, with Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm. And that is what enabled me to start my walk. And this, uh, that was a long preliminary to what I'm getting to. Mm. My walk through three generations has been at a pace of a walk. You know, when you go Google Maps, are you walking? <laughs> are you riding a bike? Are you taking a bus? You know, are you, <laughs> are you driving mm -hmm. a car? There's a different time for each one. Mm -hmm. And so you can determine that the people that you said, you know, that are just waking up in the last few years, you're on a jet plane. Yes. I'm walking. <laughs> so you can cover greater distance <laughs> in less time. Mm. And that's the beauty mm. of the way the equality mm. in this game of consciousness is. Mm. In other words, two things. One, accelerated time. All of you who are not third generation <laughs> yogis are on accelerated time. I'm just still walking. <laughs> and... The other thing is that it is essential to recognize or to recognize. Cognize means to know. Cognition means mm. to know, and re means again. To mm. know it again mm. that you were there before, mm. and all you're doing is relearning. It's like muscle memory, you know. If you've worked out for a good long period in your life and you give it up for five or six years and you start up again, your muscles come right back into shape very quickly because they have that memory. Once our consciousness has been trained, even though consciousness and consciousness doesn't die when the body dies, consciousness is what lives on, carried by the soul. Once consciousness has had that revelation and that awakening which you've had and everyone that's listening to this and watching this has had in so many of their previous mm -hmm. incarnations they're going aha oh yeah oh mm -hmm. god yeah that makes total sense oh yeah that oh i get it i get it that makes you know and they're just they're absorbing it like that et figure you remember the that little robot guy that was data right <laughs> and he was re reading through the book and the pages were just flying by and he was absorbing the whole thing that's who we are yeah. that is who we are and so you're learning much faster because you have less time but an equal goal mm. and the other component that we can use is leverage mm. At the most, there will be around a billion available against or countering seven, eight billion that are in that ignoring mode, right? Because they're not, it's like a small child, throw them car keys, stick the car keys in the mouth. It's not going to go out and get in the car and put the car keys in. You know, a, a one-year-old, not going to go out there and do that. Start up the car and drive. 
No, it's going to take those keys. That looks like something I can stick in my mouth. <laughs> and so the majority, <laughs> the, the seven, eight, nine billion people in 10, 15, 25 years, right? And that's about how much time we have. Mm-hmm. We need to leverage. So what we need to be doing is we need to be waking up. Hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. Waking up the billion so that we can leverage in that very benevolent way mm-hmm. like the lady in the school mm-hmm. and the gunman coming in mm-hmm. in that very benevolent, non-judgmental, non-critical way of speaking from the fifth, sixth, seventh dimension mm-hmm. in a tone of voice and the words that are eloquent and just endearing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. That's what we need to learn how to do. Mm. And then we are like our good friend, Monty Roberts, who wrote the book, The Man Who Listens to Horses. Mm. He, was, he doesn't like the, word, the phrase horse whisperer. Yeah, I love his book. Oh. Yeah, The Man Who Listens to Horses. And, and he invented out of the future mm. something that he had known from a past lifetime. Mm-hmm. how to interface with creatures no matter what language they're speaking. I mean, mm-hmm. human beings are just like white men. They think they're superior, mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. This, whole, this whole white guy thing, you know? Yeah, they, yeah. It, and why do they think they're superior? Because, in fact, they're inferior. Mm, yeah. White skin is inferior to to pigmented skin because it is so unprotected. Mm-hmm. It's, it's anything that feels inferior has to become arrogant. Mm-hmm. Anything that knows they're superior will always be confident. Yeah, quietly confident. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully said. You know, you just spoke to then full circle as we begin to make our way toward closing, but I do have some other questions that I... I would be remiss not to ask you about. And it's the origin seed of like, let's hey, say- Hey, everybody the- out there in the, in the <laughs> listening, watching world. Did you see how cleverly Michelle just didn't even ask me, can we go over? She just <laughs> said, uh, she would said, I would be remiss. Now she knows I'm compassionate. So who am I to <laughs> not allow her? she's very good she's very good (laughs) i love that are you actually really okay with staying like for a few more minutes you don't even have to go there now i've already i've already exposed the whole thing (laughs) i I really didn't know that we had a time uh, a closed time (laughs) i just knew that we were winding you are absolutely at the hour you said can you go for an hour and it was like it was like 220 now it's three. Oh, so here we are, one hour. Okay. Yeah. So, but go for it. This, see, this was this was the beauty. What mm. you just experienced was that intuitive sensation, right? Yeah. That I would be remiss, and I know we're coming to close, but you didn't have the tracking of the time. Yeah. But you knew you had come to a place, but you would be remiss. <laughs> I would so go for it. Well, are you kidding? I have a man of mastery in Kundalini, but before we go there, speaking to the one billion uh, that you that you have referenced, and I believe that's probably uh, intuitively that feels like a number that resonates for me as well, and many others that I learn from. Uh, 
And that is the origin seed because mm-hmm. the DNA has not been tampered with. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious, do you have any thoughts around, yes, we are a soul, but we are moving into the transhumanism era. Okay. It's very much part of the agenda. I'm, I'm curious what your point of view is on. So there are those of us not to sit, not to be of any hierarchy here because mm-hmm. it was a choice and now we're here, call them pure bloods, whatever, but it feels really, really important for the origin seed that has not been tampered with to move forward with glory and to, to have children and to create family and to create community. But do you have any thoughts around those who might have edited the original seed and how that impacts humanity? We're influencers. We are a contagion. And so those, and that's why I brought up the concept of leverage. We are here to out leverage the eight or nine billion, the seven or eight, currently the seven billion, and we're the billion. We're here to out leverage. We're here to bring them along. Mm. Some will be willing, some will come kicking and screaming. But what will happen is that we will show, and the DNA can be transformed instantaneously because mm. it's, everything is everywhere always, right? In the infinite universe, the holographic universe, mm. the hol- holographic universe, megaverse multiverse, omniverse. I love that you just said that. Because it goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. It doesn't Mm. stop. Mm -hmm. Since everything is everywhere always, the transformation of the edited DNA back to the seed of origin only needs to be imprinted. It's like like you go to a hotel and you say, uh, I've I've lost my key or I left my key in the room. Can you make me another key? And they take this piece of plastic that's got a magnetic strip on it and they put it in this, in this little machine and they type your room number into the computer and then they pull out that piece of plastic and they hand it to you. So the piece of plastic before it went into that little machine was just a piece of plastic with a magnetic strip on it. Mm-hmm. Edited DNA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That gives put me it, put it in to that machine, and we are the machine. Mm-hmm. And the way we reprogram people is by not enforcing our way, but by being our way mm-hmm. and living our way by example. Because if we are prospering, if we are absolutely healthy that our health insurance is that we live by ingesting positive foods mm-hmm. and suddenly <laughs> our lifestyle is really obvious you know like I'm 78 years old and people say but you're still doing this I think well why not? Exactly. 
my mom at 98 was asked, what does it feel like to be 98? And she said, just like it is to be 18. And everybody knows that to be true because you don't feel any different than you used to feel unless you have an ailment that's Mm -hmm. making a difference. Mm But if you start to live your life, if you start to drive, if you start to walk in a conscious geometric way, if you start to intuit so that you don't enter into spaces that are colliding, then you start to not twist ankles, you start to not hurt body parts, Mm -hmm. you start to not do these things Mm -hmm. that are just caused by not being awake in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so as the body continues, it should be able to continue for, well, they've done computer studies on the human body and under perfect conditions, the human body is totally vibrant for 335 years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know we're not going to get there at this moment in time because you know memory is very insidious mm. and when all of the people around you are dying off you know your memory goes well i should go too well i should go too well i should go too you know because you're 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 remembering all of this all of this death, all of this, you know, aging process. Mm. But aging is just a habit. And it's a habit that can be altered, can't be negated because it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. But it can be altered. And that's how you can get to your altar. Yeah, nice. How did you know that I work with my altar almost every day? That's where I do my deep work. Uh, My sacred altar that replaced where my television was. People say like, how do you have all this time to listen to all these podcasts and read all these books and do all that you do? And I'm like, I took out my TV. (laughs) How do you have time to meditate and to be so devotional? I replaced my television with an altar and I actually go to my altar. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I would be remiss because I think there's a lot of misconception on what Kundalini is Mm -hmm. in a rapid fire way. Can you maybe speak to maybe one of the top two or three myths of what Kundalini is not, and then give your perspective of what it is and my, maybe why I know I'm giving you a lot of questions, but you can track this. Uh, why it might be something, especially for listeners of my show, to get curious about because it is the ultimate, well, can be referenced as the ultimate awakening. Yeah, kundalini is a science and kundalini is a body part. And the science is how do you work with that body part? Uh, Kundal means coiled in Sanskrit and lini means line or nerve. And basically what it is, it's a coil, it's a, it's a ganglia. It's a, ga- a ganglia is like a solar plexus. A, a ganglia is a plexus, like solar plexus, you know, ner- it's a nerve plexus. And that means that it's a bundle of nerves. And th- I've got a graphic I'll, I'll, I'll put on the screen in just a moment that describes it. What kundalini is not 
is not a, it's not a philosophy. It's not a woo-woo thing. And it's not dangerous, mm-hmm. right? All of which are just reputations that w- I, I could go into the details, but it's just reputations that were caused by the monarchy again, mm-hmm. you know, monarchical attitudes of Kundalini yogis were not capable of being suppressed. Mm-hmm. And so to teach Kundalini yoga a thousand years ago was, a, you know, it was a capital offense because teaching Kundalini yoga made a lot of people that were not able to be governed, not able to be ruled, not able to be controlled. So <laughs> they, they just said, just like, you know, um, Leonardo da Vinci um, and, and Galileo's, you know, lab partner, Galileo's lab partner burned at the stake because he wouldn't renounce the fact that the universe didn't orbit around the earth. Mm-hmm. And the church said, that's blasphemy. Mm-hmm. And so they burned him at the stake and they put... Galileo Mm. under house arrest for the rest of his life. Mm. And the same thing was happening to the yogis where where yoga was was coming out from in India. And the emperors that were ruling, I don't want to put any titles on them because it, it, Mm -hmm. you know, from one generation to another, Mm -hmm. it's an imprint that we don't need to place. Mm -hmm. And so the emperors that were crazed about that said Kundalini is, is dangerous, it'll kill you. Well, it would kill you because you would become like burned at the stake, like yes. like uh, Galileo's lab partner. Mm-hmm. That's what Kundalini isn't. What mm-hmm. Kundalini is, it's a body part, and it's really, uh, really an incredible, uh, powerful nerve ganglia that is right at right at the pelvic bowl. So. Here we have a um, here we have a graphic. This is the pelvis. It would come over here. I'm getting another print made of it that's horizontal, so that we can see the whole pelvis. Mm-hmm. And here's the spine. Here's the here's the sacrum, mm-hmm. and here's the tailbone, mm-hmm. right? And then here's the lumbar region of the vertebra, and it goes on up there, right? Mm-hmm. And Medically, this is called the pelvic autonomic nerv- nervous plexus. And it, ha- it contains both the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nerves. These, these green creatures, right? these green leanies, are the kundals that are coming up from within the area of the body and reaching up through the spine. Now, the nerve signals that travel through these particular kinds of nerves, there's several different kinds of nerves. Some transmit electricity, others transmit chemistry, and others transmit light photons or light waves. Not photons, but light waves. The kundalini nerves, these nerves, the parasympathetic nerves, they operate on light waves. And so that's why when you go to a chiropractor, he says, let me see if you have any subluxations. Lux means light. And so the spine, when it's aligned, 
allows the light to shine all the way up through. Mm-hmm. A subluxation, which is what a chiropractor corrects mm-hmm. or an osteopath corrects, mm-hmm. is where you have a misalignment and the light can't shine through. Mm. Now, if you look at this, however, it looks like the, uh, the head of an elephant, right? Here are the mm-hmm. elephant's ears. Here's the trunk, right? And these are the elephant holding, right? This is, these are the hands. That, and that's how ancient yogis came up with the god Ganesha, mm. which was part human, mm-hmm. so it had hands, and part elephant, mm-hmm. right? Because in their meditative vision, they could see down inside their body mm. and they could see that this is where the kundalini was originating. Mm. Mm. So that, now, kundalini yoga and meditation are the sciences that enable us to raise this light mm-hmm all the way through the system up into the crown and then it descends because it has a, it has a micro orbit mm. it descends via what's called the vagus nerve which is part of the parasympathetic system rekindles comes back up and it's an orbit like this there's two crossing orbits in that one is the cross at the heart the heart center, if you put your hands together, the heart energy runs across the heart, down the right, up the left, across the heart. That's why this is prayer pose, because that opens up the heart center, right? This is why when we sit (coughs) in meditation, oftentimes we sit half lotus or easy pose, because this then is the the lower crossing. This (laughs) is the lower orbit, which is thighs, pelvis, thigh, thigh, pelvis, thigh, this one here. Mm-hmm. which is what the Reiki of the original sign of the cross. Mm-hmm. This is what, which, you know, Christians think is the sign of Jesus being crucified, which is fine. They can apply it to that. But it is literally the kundalini rising, the kundalini descending, and the heart crossing. Mm. And as you know, if you've ever had Reiki, performed on you, that these hands contain a great deal of pranic energy, a pranic field, because of all of the nerve endings in the hands. And when you do designs, when you do these geometric patterns over a body, it helps the pranic field to move in a certain way. It's like getting the winds to start to move, right? Mm. It's like an osteopath doing cranial sacral work, mm. right? Holding, cradling your, your, your head and your, and the uh, um, ox- occiput, right? The, the mm-hmm. sacral occipital wave that they're working with is the wave that is that light wave traveling up through the spine and then back down. And that's why osteopaths do that work. That's why chiropractors do that work. And so that is what kundalini is. Kundalini is the science of working with that nerve complex mm-hmm. that stimulates our awakening yes. of all of our glands and organs so we have a balanced 
emotional body and then we have a higher sensing mental body and our physical body is in alignment because we do good things. Thank you for that. And so when I keep hearing people talk about uh, their third eye opening Mm -hmm. through Kundalini, Mm -hmm. uh, is it fair to say in your observation and or experience that that third eye activation uh, or initiation could happen through any kind of yoga? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. And is there- All yoga, all yoga raises Kundalini. Okay. That's what I thought, because while I've never done an actual Kundalini class or, you know, I need to do it through 13 moons and we'll definitely leave all of the resources for everything that you have to offer in the show notes. Um, But I know I've never felt more connected to something far beyond the human experience than when I'm on the mat. I mean, sometimes it's just saw because it feels so good to be home. Other times it's just complete ecstasy and I'm just in this calm, euphoric bliss and so, but I'd never done you Kundalini. I'm like, how different is it? But thank you for making that, yeah. that, that connection. What you, what you described there, I'll rephrase. You said, um, I had an experience far, I, ha- I had this sense far beyond the human experience. Um, I would venture to say that you actually ended up having the human experience because the word hue means light. Mm. And man means the mind or now. Mm-hmm. And so... To be a human is to be in the light. Mm. And that's what being humane means also, mm. to, be hu- to be humane. And so even though we're called human beings, mostly we're not. Mm-hmm. Mostly we're not even being, we're more doing. Yeah, yeah. And mostly we're not hue, we're, we're dark. Yeah. And yeah. that's not because we're bad, it's because we haven't yet matured. Yeah. And that's for us billion <laughs> to <laughs> out leverage and to then teach by example. Can you imagine? Yes, I can. If we <laughs> were able to wake up the billion and the billion were able to wake up the planet. Yeah. And I said, remember me saying I was the one walking and you're in a jet plane <laughs> You know, so you get there much faster, but we're all in the same, we're all in the same place. No hierarchies here. Imagine if the, if the immature, the corrupted, the evil, all of that were to suddenly experience that enlightenment by the invasion, if you will, (laughs) of friendly virus. Mm. this is my deepest prayer and it's through vibration i love how you reference to if we wake up the billion because we can't underestimate that the billion of us or so that made a decision a few years ago or have been walking the path for their lifetime or for however long that they're that they're really worshiping in that realm right mm-hmm. so so this is just sharing in this vibration i mean even meeting you at daniela port's gathering several months back in person in la there's no mistake in the divine alignment of all of it yeah you were talking to my wife 
And I came over to find out what she was so <laughs> interested in because and then I then I saw all of you around the table and it was like really cool. I'm glad I got over here with my wife. <laughs> it was so cool. And we were like this private little sidebar and we happened mm-hmm. to be with Danielle as well. And and it was around asking her man, asking Will, how did they meet? And he was yeah. like, No one has ever asked me that. <laughs> right. Sweet. And it was so sweet. And, uh, and that was a really beautiful gathering, such kind souls, but it was there that I had just gotten the hit that I have to get back into yoga. And I was feeling really drawn to Kundalini. And while I still haven't found a class near me, you gave great references and you said 13 moons is a great place to start. And so I will start, I'm committing to that now, Uh, but I already got back on the mat. I mean, I have a beautiful studio near me. Um, And so I want to thank you for that gift because that was a little initiation that I accepted, right? My, my, my higher self called on it anyway, which is how we met and then came here. But what a treat. Is there anything that you wished you were asked or that you would like to share uh, before we close out for reals? <laughs> no. No. You have been such an incredibly graceful host. Mm-hmm. And I, quite frankly, I think that what we did was we entered the moment and the moment spoke. Aho. Aho. So beautifully said. I just got the full divine tingles everywhere. Yes, angels and that whole realm which I know aren't really angels with wings. I love how you describe it on your podcast, but um, no, clapping, I, I, celebrating. I like the word. I love the word angels. And I always paraphrase. I always say, you know, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it energy or mm. this or that, you know, but I'll call it angels and guides. You yeah. Know, I, love, I love the word angel. Me too. You are an angel, my friend. Thank you for you coming well. into my life. Thank you. <laughs> and for gracing us on fire and soul. Bless you. Namaste. Thank you for listening to Fire and Soul. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. And if you'd like to connect on social, you can find me anywhere at Michelle Sorrow. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.